welcome to another episode in the series Rooh by Team Chipinaway where we talk about history of medicine. Today we have with us Dr. Edwin Kosalan who's an ENT surgeon from the Philippines. Good evening doctor. How are you? Good evening guys. Fine. How are you? Oh, we are doing well. So doctor, what do you do? Well, basically uh I am an ENT head and neck surgeon. I'm already 70 years old but I'm still in active practice. and i'm now the medical director of a small hospital here in our city uh i used to teach uh, in the medical school mm-hmm. and some of the subjects included uh, history of medicine so i have an interest also in the history of medicine so uh, other than that uh, in previous engagements with uh, my colleagues we would talk about also the uh, alternative medicine here in the philippines Mm-hmm. and of course with my patients they would also ask me about uh, alternative medicine and uh, how they should uh, deal with it or should they use it together with uh, the um, modern medicine as we know it so that uh, has been a- an interest uh, with me that is interesting so i mean as somebody who has taught the history of medicine why do you think it is important for say doctors and just everybody to know about how things developed how methodologies developed and why we need to study the history of medicine of course like uh, as in anything we have to uh, know what the past was if we are to evaluate what the future is we have to look at it from the uh, point of view of uh, the past as well so that we will know how far we've uh, we've arrived and how far we need to go you did say that uh, you had an interest in alternate medicine especially in the philippines and both of us are interested in looking at these traditional practices and alternate practices of medicine so could you just give us a little information about these practices well uh you see in the philippines We are not a very rich country so we have uh, patients who uh, go to traditional medicine or uh, mostly it's herbs the use of herbs here in the Philippines and uh, that's an alternative uh, because uh, a lot of them cannot uh, afford modern medicine uh, now or sometimes it's not just uh, being able to afford it's also the accessibility to this uh, kinds of uh, medicine especially in a country where you know poor people cannot travel far to reach uh, centers of excellence or, or centers of uh, modern medicine so sometimes they're stuck in their area and they have to seek out medical help and maybe the only medical help they have would be alternative doctors in the area uh, most of them are herb doctors we call them herbolarios so uh, that is part of the situation that we have here of course we have the very very modern medical hospitals here but we also have the alternative uh, medicines uh, available for in the provinces thank you dr kosalan could you tell us a little about the integration or interaction between modern medicine and alternative medicine well let's let's put it this way uh, modern medicine in the past 200 years have grown by leaps and bounds and has become the dominant uh, uh, medical system that uh, we have but uh, before that uh, the the kind of medical management that was being done is quite similar to uh, the alternative medical system that uh, we we know 
Now, this is uh, the same with in, in different countries. In China, they have their uh, traditional Chinese medicine. In India, you have your Ayurvedic medicine. Even in places like uh, Germany and even England, they had their traditional medicine. And you can see that in their pharmacopoeia that they have, in the, the kind of medicines that they have. France, uh, I think, I, I'm not sure, but I, I read somewhere that... Uh, they have uh, a version of acupuncture called ear acupuncture. And I think this was developed in France, but uh, they say that uh, this was probably taken from the Chinese acupuncture. So a lot of uh, medical systems now, uh, it depends on the country. They have a mixture of uh, traditional medicine as well as the now what we call modern medicine. Uh, I think in India, you call them allopathy, right? Allopathy versus uh, Ayurveda medicine or something like that. I think in 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 India as well as in uh, in China, uh, you have a very strong alternative medicine. In fact, uh, they compete with the uh, modern medicine that we have now. In in our country, uh, the modern medicine is very dominant, and the alternative medicine have been peripheralized. I think you highlight an important aspect here about the alternative medicine in India, that is Ayurveda. So as a doctor, how would you evaluate Ayurveda as a system and say what we understand from it? Well, a disclaimer, I don't know much about Ayurveda. Okay, I know it's an alternative medicine practice and uh, I know that it's it's quite dominant in, in India and uh, South Asia as a, an alternative kind of medicine. And in fact, I, I know that you have centers of uh, hospitals of uh, Ayurvedic medicine there. But uh, from the point of view of a modern uh, medicine doctor or uh, allopathic doctor, uh, we usually look at it in, from the point of view of, uh, you know, modern medicine and then the rest is alternative medicine. Okay. The, the point in uh, uh, modern medicine is that it, does, it does not accept anything that has not been studied, researched. It does not uh, really deal with uh, much with philosophies, but they talk more of science. And uh, we talk of researches before we accept anything uh, as, uh, as proof positive. So, but yeah, I mean, what you said does make a lot of sense that, you know, we'll need to identify and establish these parameters independently. Uh, so in that case, how do you see the contribution of South Asia into the field of medicine? Well, I tell you what, from the historical point of view, there have been a lot of uh, contributions from the ancient alternative medicine systems. In China, for example, you uh, now more and more acupuncture is being accepted by uh, by the west a certain uh, management with acupuncture in certain areas are being accepted in the west in uh, historically also with ayurveda 2800 years ago shushruta samhita was a medical text that has been studied over and over again and the shushruta samhita for example uh, shows pictures of about more than a hundred surgical instruments that are still uh, up to now being used. It has its contributions in uh, the surgical field as well. In plastic surgery, for example, the reconstruction of a nose, uh, we, we call it the Indian flap. 
has been taken from the Susruta Samhita. You probably don't know that uh, this technique was actually originated by a case of uh, potters, the Kumas. And uh, they, they came up with this. And this kind of reconstructive technique involves taking skin from the forehead and rotating it to make a nose. Uh, this was uh, one of the contributions probably of the ancient uh, Ayurvedic. And I, I hear also that uh, some cataract uh, surgeries were, were done in, the, in, in, in ancient times in Ayurvedic medicine. In, in ENT also, uh, we are doing washing of the nasal cavity. Uh, we wash the nasal cavity for uh, cases of sinusitis, chronic sinusitis. And this, I think, was uh, originated from the yoga practice of uh, washing the nose, which is uh, they use reti pots to wash the nose. Now we, we, we use it uh, when we treat sinusitis. So these are some of the contributions that may have originated from Ayurveda. Thank you for that overview. I also wonder if there are any inroads with modern medicine uh, or some of the trends and developments that were influenced from South Asian practice or practice of modern medicine in South Asia, from South Asia to the Philippines or from South Asia outside? Uh, it's like this. And I think this is uh, partly Ayurvedic medicine also, okay? Have you heard of the humors? The way medicine is practiced is that they talk of, they call them humors, and this is uh, bile, phlegm, blood, uh, wind, okay? And they say that uh, uh, in Chinese medicine, this is probably the yin and the yang, okay? In Philippine folk medicine in the Southeast Asia area, as well as even in uh, other areas in, uh, in Asia, they talk of heat and cold. And the way me uh, this alternative medicine are practiced is that you have to balance all these humors together, the heat and, and cold, the yin and the yang, the, the four humors should be balanced in the body because if these uh, are not balanced, then you de develop illness. And so the management of these illnesses is basically to try to keep a balance of all these humors, the heat, the, the, the hot and the cold, the yin and the yang, to achieve uh, wellness, okay? The old Western medical management also touched on that until 200 years or so ago, a lot of changes has, have developed. And these changes included, uh, you know, the recognition of what we call the germ theory, which means uh, people started finding out that some illnesses were caused by germs, uh, infections, now what we call infections now. And then antibiotics was uh, introduced to kill these germs. And then after that, there was uh, the more understanding of infection. So vaccinations were introduced and uh, from vaccinations. And then for surgery, you have the discovery of anesthesia. General anesthesia was discovered about the mid-1800s. And because of this, surgeons were now able to do major surgeries. Whereas before, uh, surgeons would operate uh, with whatever they have. Maybe they would just give alcohol uh, to the patient, get him drunk before they did the surgeries. And uh, surgeons then uh, were regarded 
well if they could do the surgeries very fast uh, because uh, speed was a premium uh, thing for them. Uh, but later on with, uh, with general anesthesia, they can now be more meticulous. They can now focus on what they're doing. And so they did more and more major surgeries. You now have transplant, open heart surgeries. And then there's the rise of technology. And with the rise of technology, you have now your x-rays, uh, which was uh, came about also in the 19th century. And then the CT scans, the MRIs, and now you have your robotic surgeries and all this and all that. Okay. So this uh, transplanted uh, most of the alternative uh, medical systems. And that is the reason why it has become the dominant uh, medical system in this century, at least, because uh, of these advances that has happened just in the last 200 years. So how do you see the way forward? So we've been able to see that, you know, in 200 years, we've come leaps and bounds from, you know, the germ theory to the inclusion of technology and all of these aspects. How do you see the progress of medicine moving forward? Well, the progress of medicine uh, moving forward, we will get more and more uh, technological advances, definitely. But then uh, we always say that medicine is not just a science. It is also an art. We, we call them the art of medicine. And I think this is where alternative medicine may, may have an advantage. The art of medicine, looking at the patient in a holistic, uh, more holistic kind of way. In, in modern medicine as well, uh, there is also a recognition of this. You've heard of bedside manners, mm. doctors having bedside manners. This is basically a recognition of the patient's humanity. And uh, you've heard of the placebo effect. We recognize, for example, that uh, at least 30% of, of cases will get well uh, as long as they really believe in you. It's what we call placebo effect. Okay? So we, we, we recognize that. Even in the oath that we take, the Hippocratic oath, uh, when we finish medical school, talks about our relationship with, with uh, our patients, our relationship with uh, our fellow doctors, and uh, our relationship uh, with ourselves as well. Mm. We talk about ethical uh, considerations as well. So maybe it may be turned in a different way, but this is, I think, what other alternative medicines are also talking about. Uh, your connection with the patient, the patient's connection with his, uh, with his or her environment and the connection of the patient uh, to the world in, in, in general or with, with, with his psyche in general. And so uh, modern medicine is, uh, is really trying to, poke, uh, to recognize that as well. But the thing is, uh, there are so many scientific advances and uh, we, a lot of us are really focus on a lot of the scientific advantage. And we sometimes forget that medicine is also an art. I think you highlight an important aspect. And this is important because Major General Esel Bhatia believed in this. So he asked his medical students to engage in literature, in art, because he's like the humanity, the human aspect of medicine is not something that we should forget. So it's in one way... Uh, I think something that everybody realizes and hopefully, like you said, moving forward, more of this humanity is embraced with the field of medicine. 
that is true. Uh, that is true. In fact, uh, well, we, we, we do get seminars uh, to get us in touch with our own humanities. You know, doctors individually try to uh, get in touch with their own humanity through their hobbies, through their arts, to make them more human rather than science robots to their patients. If uh, you could find time to read the Hippocratic Oath, all medical students, when they graduate, uh, they, they take the Hippocratic Oath. And uh, the old version, of course, says that we, uh, we, we pledge to Apollo and Esculapius, the, but uh, that's been removed, but uh, it has been modernized. And uh, one, of, one of the more modern versions, for example, says that uh, we have to recognize that uh, medicine is not only a science, but also an, an art, and that uh, uh, sympathy and warmth to the patient uh, might even be better than uh, the surgeon's knife or the uh, pharmaceutical's drug. It beautifully summarizes the things that we have been talking about. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Kosilan. I know it's very late at your end. Thank you for making us time. As you said, you're an active surgeon. Continue on. We hope you save a lot more lives. And thank you for giving us this time. Thank you very much, Akash. Thank you, Dr. Kosilan. Thank you. This podcast series is the result of a foundation project implemented by the India Foundation for the Arts under its Archives and Museums program in collaboration with the SL Bhatia History of Medicine Museum, Library and Archives with part support from the Parijat Foundation.